This is Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. Hosted by Pastor Matt and Jessica Stahlbaum. Morning Breath starts now. Hey, welcome to Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. I'm Matt and this is Jessica. We're glad that you're here. What's been going on, Jessica? You know, it's been only a week since we've been on. Like we, we were on two weeks ago and then we skipped last week to share some vision messages from beginning of the year and it feels like a month. It's so weird. Yeah. Like time in general is just an issue these days. Oh like gosh. no one knows what day it is or what time it is or like what season it is. We're just going with the flow. Yeah, I think we had uh, tacos on Wednesday, which that really threw kind of everything. Up, I have to we say, we always have Taco Tuesdays. It's actually kind of exciting though because we had tacos, you know, on a Wednesday, and then on Thursday, I'm like, oh, it must be Wednesday because we had tacos last night, and it was already Thursday. Yeah, it was awesome. The it's weekend's funny. coming. It's funny. You got a book recommendation? I do. Have a book recommendation. This teeny tiny little little itsy bitsy book is called The Freedom of Self Forgetfulness by Timothy Keller, who's one of your favorite authors. And this it's something. This tiny little book is one of the best things I have ever read. And the freedom of self forgetfulness. It's incredible. You can get this on Amazon for like two bucks and get it shipped to you. And I'll tell you, it it seriously will change your life. There you go. No, it's about ego. It's about pride. And it's really about what do you fill yourself up with. And this book actually got me started with the just the thought about how ego gets in our way so much. And uh, I read recently of I'm almost done. I got about a chapter left of another book about ego and really just making me see how we get in our own way uh, on the rise to success and even beginning to fail in life well our ego uh, plays a part in all of that and messing all of that up and and uh, if we can get our ego out of the way we can learn a lot more and we can be a lot more uh, I don't know productive and blessed and at peace and and effective and just you know happy and joyful yeah and um, it's so it's August which is just can we believe that yeah I believe it (laughs) It's 100,000 degrees outside. That's true. That's the only thing that, like, corroborates that information. And, and like, we tend to have, you know, a tropical storm every other day right now, which I actually like because it cools everything down. It does. And it cancels practices, like, for our (laughs) kids who are back in sports again. So I'm just like, oh, a a night free that we hadn't planned on and we're together. I like that. Speaking of that, you know, our church, East Coast Christian Center, is open and, uh, the thing, though, that we're balancing out so much is as we're open, we're not just like, we're open, y'all. Nothing's going on. No, we're open with a lot of measures and a lot of steps to make things safe, to mm-hmm. make people comfortable in the environment. Like, we we black out every other row in our auditorium to keep chairs six feet apart. And the auditorium at 50%, we clean before and after each service with like a commercial cleaner that's designed for this environment that we live in with COVID as an issue. Um, our, our staff has masks on. We wear them at work. We wear them around each other. Uh, we have uh, our greeters and ushers, those that get closer than six feet to people, they're all wearing masks. And what we... Uh, we know that some people have tried to politicize certain parts of this, and what we've done is we said, we're gonna do the minimum of safety, and we feel the minimum is clean standards and all those things, to provide a place that's uh, where people can come and meet Jesus. And yeah. so, if you're looking for uh, you know church community to get involved in, in a building, 
uh, we want to let you know that we've put hours upon hours upon hours of effort and research and time and energy and creating new cleaning teams and all sorts of things to make these things successful. Uh, masks in church, if you want to attend, are not required at all. It's a personal choice. I say we're at about 50% of the people wear masks and 50% of the people don't wear masks. Yep. And somehow we're all getting along. Like, it's awesome, okay? <laughs> it it's is. Wonderful. It's refreshing to be it's in a place refreshing. like that. Because not only if you want to wear a mask and someone's not wearing a mask, you are also social distance away from those people yes. by six feet. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's it's what we what we see as safe and the minimum of what we can do to provide a beautiful place to have church. Now, if you're not comfortable going into a building, we have our online church experience. Uh, and actually, I'm really excited that we are as great as it is and as developed as it is. We are currently in developmental mode where September 1st, we're going to be launching an incredible new platform for online uh, with more ministry, with more community, with more connections, with more relationship building. Small groups are going to be amped up and the community. Uh, and so basically for those that still need to attend uh, on in our digital world and our digital campus, we're amping up the community and the gathering aspects of the digital world and church. And so we're really excited about that too. We're, we're just all in in this time of being a life-giving church building that life-giving church that lasts. So. Yeah, uh, what I love about just all of this is uh, last week on a Thursday, no, on a Wednesday, Adeline said, what day is it tomorrow? And I said, Thursday. And she goes, yes. And I was like, what specifically special thing happens on Thursday that I don't know of? And she goes, Thursday means it's almost Sunday. Yeah. And Sunday means it's church day. And like, just stick a fork in me. <laughs> the best thing ever that your kid would be looking so forward and I feel the same way looking so forward to church that they're counting down the days and that is the kind of environment that we are striving to create and uh, if you're looking for something like that we would love to have you yeah that's awesome well again welcome to morning breath on Mondays if you want to know more about the program obviously go to our website get our podcast go to 91.5 FM um, these are all the places that you can find us on Facebook and all over the place as we have video uh, of our podcast now. So we're in Exodus chapter 12. If you're new to Morning Breath, we read a chapter of the Bible and then we talk about it as a devotion. We don't talk about it as a, you know, a, you know, a uh, let's say a, an eschatological, that's not even a word. I just made that word up. <laughs> eschatological. No, that's not, that's not a thing. It should be. It, we'll, we'll make it a thing, Okay. okay? This is not a intense Bible study, but it's really what is the Lord breathing on, hence for the name, morning breath. Yeah, so I'm going to read, we're in Exodus 12, and I'm going to read through 28, 28. so you're going to start at 29. 29, awesome. Okay. And the word I was looking for is exegetical study. Oh. Exegetical for you theologians. I can spell there. those words, but I'm not sure. Exegesis and exegetical. It's more of a line-by-line, verse-by-verse extrapolating the word of God. Look at way. you with your vocabulary. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Verse, uh, Exodus 12, verse one. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be the beginning of months to you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Tell all the congregation of Israel on the 10th day of this month, they are to take a lamb or a young goat for themselves, according to the size of the household of which he is the father, a lamb or young goat for each household. 
Now, if the household is too small for a lamb to be consumed, let him and his next door neighbor take one according to the number of people in the households. According to what each man can eat, you are to divide the lamb. Your lamb or young goat shall be perfect without blemish or bodily defect, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to slaughter it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel above the door of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the meat that same night, roasted in fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted in fire, both its head and its legs, along with its inner parts. You shall let none of the meat remain until the morning, and anything that remains left over until morning you shall burn completely in the fire. Now you are to eat it in this manner. Be prepared for a journey. With your loins girded, that is, with the outer garment tucked into the band, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, you shall eat it quickly. It is the Lord's Passover. For I, the Lord, will pass through the land of Egypt on this night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and animal, against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment, exhibiting their worthlessness. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the doorposts of the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I shall pass over you, and no affliction shall happen to you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You are to celebrate it as an ordinance forever. In the celebration of the Passover, in future years, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, but on the first day you shall remove the leaven from your houses because it represents the spread of sin. For whoever eats leavened bread on the first day through the seventh day, that person shall be cut off and excluded from the atonement made for Israel. On the first day of the feast, you shall have a holy and solemn assembly, and on the seventh day there shall be another holy and solemn assembly. No work of any kind shall be done on those days except for the preparation of food, which every person must eat, only that may be done by you. You shall also observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, because on this very day I brought your hosts, grouped according to tribal armies, out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread, and continue until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. Seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses. Whoever eats what is leavened shall be cut off and excluded from the atonement made for the congregation of Israel, whether a stranger or native-born. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and take a lamb for yourselves according to the size your family and families and slaughter the Passover lamb. You'll, you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood which is in the basin, and touch some of the blood to the lintel above the doorway and to the two doorposts, and none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel above the entryway, and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to slay you. You shall observe this event concerning Passover as an ordinance for you and for your children forever. When you enter the land, which the Lord will give you as he has promised, you shall keep and observe this service. When your children say to you, what does this service mean to you? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses." And the people bowed their heads low and worshiped God. Then the Israelites went and did as they had been told, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was a loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, 
You are the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said. Go and also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country. For otherwise they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs and wrapped in cloth clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people, and they gave them what they asked for, so they plundered the Egyptians. The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Sakoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. Many other people went up with them, and also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. With the dough the Israelites had brought from Egypt, they baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare the food for themselves. Now the length of the time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. Because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, on the night all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, these are the regulations for the Passover meal. No foreigner may eat it. Any slave you have brought may eat it after you have circumcised him. But a temporary resident or hired worker may not eat it. It must be eaten inside the house. Take none of the meat outside the house. Do not break any of the bones. The whole community of Israel must celebrate it. A foreigner residing among you who wants to celebrate the Lord's Passover must have, must have all the males in his household circumcised. Then he may take part uh, like one born in the land. No uncircumcised male may eat it. The same law applies both to the native born and to the foreigner residing among you. All the Israelites did just what the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. Amen. Uh, it's a long chapter, and it, I like that it really addresses and explains what it means that we are covered by the blood of Jesus, right? So I want to read this. This is in my Joyce Meyer every so day. Before you do, yes, I have to say something. Tell and I me. apologize because. Because we're reading Exodus, I was using some theological terms like exegeting, uh-huh. and it's actually the wrong term. I realized it as I said it. <laughs> exegeting is what we are definitely doing because exegeting is pulling out of the scripture uh, what it means versus putting our own interpretation on the scripture. Okay, yeah. the word I was looking for. Also, imagine this starts with an E and an X expository. Oh. That's what we're not doing. Line by line verse teaching. We're doing the devotion. Yeah. And we are exegeting. So that's for y'all theologians out there, but it's something (laughs) I would have judged us. Yeah. It's something I do care a lot about. So I wanted to clarify that. Now, on to another E word, Egypt. What are we talking about here? That's good. So this is my Joyce Meyer Everyday Life Bible. It's an amplified translation, and I absolutely love it. And I would recommend this to anyone who really wants to learn more about their Bible. It has um, commentary by Joyce Meyer in like huge chunks and little chunks throughout it. And this part is um, she's 
talking about Exodus 12, 13, which I will read that verse. The blood shall be a sign for you on the doorposts of the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I shall pass over you and no affliction shall happen to you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And so this is what Joyce Meyer said. She says, God instructed the Israelites to use the blood of a lamb as a token or sign that they were not to be harmed under the old covenant. Notice the Lord said to them, when I see the blood, I shall pass over you. In order for the people to be protected from the angel of death, God had to see the blood and he could not see it if they did not put it on the side posts and tops of their door frames. You and I live under the new covenant, which is far better than the old covenant because the applied blood of Jesus is permanent. And it references Hebrews 9, if you want to look more into that, Hebrews 9. How do we put the blood on our lives and homes? We do it by believing in Jesus Christ as we simply say in faith, I believe the blood of Jesus is on my life and my home, cleansing and protecting me. We can apply the blood in any practical situation we face. Start applying the blood by faith over yourself and that which belongs to you, your children, your car, your home, your body. Are you battling with wounded emotions? Then cover your emotions with the blood of Jesus. So you will not continue to be devastated by people who do not seem to know how to give you what you feel you need from them. And are you in financial difficulty? Lay your hands on your wallet. Pray your funds will be protected by the blood of Jesus. Ask God to cause your money to multiply in the work of the Lord and see to it that Satan does not steal it from you. Are you sick? Release your faith for the blood of Jesus to cover and protect your body. The life is in the blood. It cleanses us from all sin and protects us from all things that will harm us. And this is a prayer that she says, pray with me. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name and I apply the blood of Jesus to my life, to all that belongs to me, to everything you've given me to steward. I put the blood of Jesus on my mind, body, emotions, and will on my family, coworkers, and friends. Thank you for protecting me with your blood. Amen. And I think it's always when we're talking about the blood of Jesus, especially to people who have never heard this, it sounds weird and gross. It does. <laughs> and so I think it's really important that we understand the context of what we're saying and what it represents. And we're not talking about actually drawing blood or painting blood on anything. You know, it's just it's there's an old phrase called pleading the blood. And I've been doing this a lot. Just it's it's the simplicity of what the blood of Jesus represents. And that's just it's our healing. It's our, it represents our salvation. It represents all of those things. And we can apply that to every area of our life. And so practically, I think it's a really good like tool in our spiritual warfare belt. Yes. So I want to kind of add to that, uh, but I want to take us on a different path with this thought that uh, 600,000 <laughs> men yeah. plus women and children, which would have put them around 2 million people, that's what they believe, uh, were leaving s- slavery and leaving bondage. And what had happened uh, 430 years earlier, essentially, is that the Joseph and the Jewish people and all of that, they gave their lives to the Egyptians through famine in the land. And so they, they began to move into Egypt and take you know, take residence in Egypt and they, they sold their land for, for grain and all of that with mm-hmm. Joseph. And so all these years go by, 2 million people grew inside this nation, but then the nation began to enslave them. They treated them as equals at first, but then over time, the pharaohs began to get harsh yeah. against the Israelite people and they enslaved those people. Then now God takes 2 million people out of oppression slavery, you know, just whoa, right? But what's really boggling my mind is the sheer number of people, the two million people that needed to be rescued and what a 
rescue effort it was mm-hmm. with plagues and signs and a battle between Moses, the leader, and Aaron with Pharaoh, right? And so then I just started thinking about kind of what what we're in right now as a world. We are under um, a global pandemic, and it's a massive amount of people, right? We're talking 7 billion people. Mm-hmm. And God used one man, Moses, and his brother Aaron to pull two million people and rescue them. And I started thinking about um, what what kind of differences do we have with Moses and with Jesus and the millions versus the billions. And here's here's kind of what I what I began to think about. One man, Moses, had this authority with God. And he was able to lead 2 million people with the authority that he had with the Lord out of slavery and oppression and death and hopelessness and the government destroying their lives and, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. And so, and I'm not saying the government is destroying our lives, but I do think we all understand there's an element of the government that is controlling the world right now with COVID-19. So I'm not saying there's conspiracies and corruption. I'm just saying there's a lot of parallels here. And so this is where I think the parallel for us uh, changes is where each one of us have the same authority and beyond that Moses had. Mm -hmm. We have a relationship with Jesus, God's only son. And when we have the blood on our doorposts, it's the blood on our life. And we have this authority to lead out of this problem. And so now we have 2.3 billion, I believe, is the number of Christians in the world that are all having the blood of Christ on their doorposts, that are all having the power of Jesus and the authority of Jesus in their lives. And I don't think it's any big thing really for us to to help set the world free mm-hmm. as compared to Moses trying to lead two million. Well, now we got several billion Christians. Let's begin to step up. Let's begin to lead people out of oppression, lead people out of, you know, what slavery, slavery could be looked at as uh, oppressive, racist behavior. Uh, we can look at, you know, okay, we're obeying the government. Yeah, those things are important, but we've got to lead as Christians forward in the world today to see people set free from fear and and drugs and, you know, abuse and all the things that are happening, loneliness and isolation and, and tons of fear about being sick and all these things. I just, I just had this like vision of God leading his people, his two million or his Seven billion, right? People out of this oppression through his believers. And I don't know, I think that really touched me. That's really good. It's such a good picture of uh, it makes it like a bite sized chunk, you know, when there's 2.6 billion to help the remaining seven, you know, the total of seven billion. It's like, we can do this. Yeah, I want to share something else, too, that stuck out to me, but I don't want to take up all the time. Well, I just want to say one thing about that 640,000 men and the fact that they've uh, extrapolated that out to a possible 2 million, you know, at least, I would say, plus all the livestock and all that stuff. So they were in uh, bondage for 430 years. And so what I love is that they did not come out less during that time of bondage. They actually came out thriving and more like God bless them even in that bondage. Yep. And I think even in this time where we feel like we're stuck or we feel like there's so, so many unknowns and we may feel like we're in a sort of quote unquote bondage. We're like in bondage to the unknown and the fear and the questions. And we, we have 
There's a lot that we can't control right now. Like we are going to come out of this season thriving and there's going to be more of us Christians than there are when we went into this season. Yeah. You know, they came out more, but here's the sad part. They came out late. You know, the prophecy was given that they would have 400 years and they would be released. Mm. But here's what happened. And, and this shows us that God really does use man, mankind to save his people. Ten years before the 400 years, Moses decided to take this into his own hands mm. and not obey God. And he, he tried to control the situation in his own strength. He went at 390 years, he went for 40 years in the wilderness. And that's and then he had the burning bush experience and he decided to do it God's way. And when he did it God's way, it was 40 years. So 30 years later than what the plan of rescue actually was. And so here's the thing I want to take out of that. It's time to rise up. Yeah. Like quit doing it in your own strength. Quit doing it alone. Quit pining for the past, quit pining for the old ways, quit, quit wishing it was different. In the season that we're in right now, it's time to rise up. It's time to band together as a church and as a community. It's time to band together as a family, in your home, as an individual. It's time to rise up and begin to pursue the things of God like never before. Mm -hmm. Quit delaying. Quit doing it in your own strength. Quit running around alone in the wilderness by yourself Get on your face before God. Get people together. Watch online services. Get in a Zoom small group. Uh, get together. Read your Bible. Do Reach your neighbors for Jesus. Like, let's get after it. Let's quit doing this in our own strength, and let's rely on the strength of God. And, you know, something I've been saying is the Holy Spirit leads us through Hope mm -hmm. in the direction of hope. If you feel hopeless, guess what? The Holy Spirit wants to lead you in the direction of hope. He wants you to rise up. He wants healing. He wants wholeness for your heart. He wants forgiveness for your sins. He wants you to rise up in the direction of hope. If you humble yourself and you turn from your wicked ways, he will heal your land. Yeah. He leads in the direction of healing and hope. Amen. Thanks for listening to Morning Breath. We love you, and we can't wait to hear from you next week. Yeah, see you then. All right, Bye. see you. Bye. You are listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center, Merritt Island, Vieira, and Coco. Langston Commercial Real Estate, owned by Scott Langston, a senior commercial broker, has been selling real estate and giving free consultations for over 18 years. Scott Langston will show you the best way to buy, invest, or lease commercial property. 321-403-1111. That's 321-403-1111. Hi everyone, Kevin Barfield here with Barfield Contracting and Associates. We are a fully licensed and insured roofing and building contractor. We're located in Cocoa Village, but we service all of Brevard County and surrounding communities. We also offer many discounts, military, senior. As always, we offer free estimates and we appreciate every opportunity that we're given. We're at 454-4531. That's 454-4531, Barfield Contracting. Treating you like family. God bless you. Pineapple Garden Assisted Living Facility, located in the Rockledge Vieira area. Affordable care with daily activities and a friendly 24-hour staff, making sure you or your loved one is safe and secure. Please visit us today by going online at pineapplegarden.com or call 321-405-CARE. 
want to be a church that's focused on God, focused on the people on the inside, and focused on the people on the outside. Love God, love the church, love people, because we're building a life-giving church that lasts. East Coast Christian Center. Join us every weekend, Saturday night at 5.30 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. East Coast Christian Center is located at 680 North Courtney Parkway, Merritt Island. The Avenue Worship Center. Enjoy a fresh brewed cup of coffee with friends and family. Service times are at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at 85 North Richland Avenue. East Coast Christian Center Coco. We now have three services every Sunday morning at 8.15, 10 o'clock, and 11.45 a.m. Located at 1855 North Friday Road Coco. For more information, call 452-1060, extension 100. That's 452-1060, extension 100. Or visit us online at eccc.us. That's eccc.us. East Coast Christian Center, building a life-giving church that lasts. Thank you for listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center. We hope to see you at one of our locations this weekend. For additional information, such as service times, events, and more, please visit us at eccc.us. Thanks, and we hope you have a blessed day.